from Hong Kong, Chicago and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 72. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello, everybody. And how's the weather in Chicago? We didn't talk about it last week. Oh, it's very sad. It's just it's just gray. It's going to rain again today. I think it's supposed to rain the next for the next week. It's supposed to thunderstorm. That's all it ever does now. Uh, and you're a, you're a coffee-free person today as well. No, just don't even go there. Oh, it's so painful. Yeah, I am coffee. Yeah. So if I'm a little low-key today, folks, sorry. Neurologist order. <laughs> no, no caffeine, no alcohol. So I'm a very happy person right now. <laughs> and a dose of extra surliness. <laughs> and a dose of extra surliness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, see, let's see how we get on. And uh, hello, Perry. Hello. Have you had any any more protests this week? <laughs> I'm alive. That's a that's progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a couple more protests after uh, our little episode last week. We had uh, last Sunday was a million people. Uh, yesterday was two million people. Uh, on Wednesday there were a couple hundred thousand people getting tear gassed and uh, shot at with rubber bullets by the cops. Uh, so I managed to run away before they tear gassed me. So that's why I am in a very chipper mood because no tear gas for the G. <laughs> Excellent. It's good, good that you're keeping safe. Um, and following on from that, I haven't taken any flower photos this week. Um, and, Sorry, I need to make a really terrible pun. Go on. No, no tear gas, but we got a different kind of gas today. Have we just become the, uh, the classic camera revival? Real gas from Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, oh, of course, you're Canadian, aren't you? That that that's it. Yes. Yeah, just like the CCR, you are Canadian, uh, and therefore that's that's just what Canadians do. I, I guess I guess that's what it's all about. <laughs> oh dear. dear. Um, well, just uh, a quick one. We had, a, we had quite a bit of a response uh, from last last week's show um, on Perry's protest photos and. Uh, Perry, you've just written an article. I say just, it was, you would have done it last week, but uh, an article was published a couple of days ago on uh, Hamish's site, uh, 35MMC, uh, where you uh, discuss pretty much what we spoke about on the podcast, didn't you? Yes, yes. And there's a little bit of a compositional breakdown that stemmed from a little argument slash discussion I had with James Giordano in the Facebook group. So check that out if you've got the time. Uh, it works a lot better in a visual medium when you're trying to like show different compositional elements. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good article and uh, I think it's well worth people um, heading over that way. So just go to 35mmc.com and uh, it'll be one of the uh, articles near the top of the page. Um, yeah. And the other consequence of last week's uh, show was uh, our uh, new Facebook group uh, photography. No, 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 it's not called that anymore. Uh, Classic <laughs> Lenses podcast uh, was flower bombed, um, and uh, um, and there's uh, actually that's another point. There's uh, on Instagram on uh, Best Vintage Lens. Um, Ricardo did a did a write up of the of the show, and um, it's it's a sort of rearguard action for uh, uh, for the for the people that like to shoot flower photos and bokeh photos, and uh, don't get beaten up by by people that say these shots aren't worthy. Um, 
and uh, <laughs> yeah, I to- totally agree with you there. On, Absolutely. On that one. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Facebook group has, has had lots of flower photos for Simon. <laughs> Um, of other people on there. So thank, thank you for all those flowers. And I, I feel better about potentially taking more flowers in the future as a result of it now. So uh, so thank you all. Okay, now, um, moving on to this week's show, as we mentioned last week, uh, we have a guest. And uh, this guest uh, was with us back in February and March last year uh, in episodes nine and ten. Um, so I'm delighted to have back with us, talking from somewhere in Sweden. I can't remember where, you, where you're at at the moment, uh, but we have uh, <laughs> Per Edmund. So welcome, welcome back, Per. Thank you. Thank you. I'm in Lund in South Sweden, where I work. I, um, I, I still live in Helsingborg, but I work in Lund every day. And were you, were you at Malmö for some time? No, I wasn't. I mean, it, we're, I'm very close, but it's since I commute down here every day, I rarely go further south just to experience Malmö. I, I have lunch and dinner with, with friends down there sometimes, but I, I rarely spend time there, which is too bad. It's a beautiful city. It is. It is. I've, I've spent a little bit of time in there. Um, and I, I really like the place. So, uh, But thanks for coming back. Um, oh, thank you for having I, me. And I think before we actually get into the main thrust of, uh, of, of the show, perhaps you might want to, and I've not, I've not prepared you for this question at all, but perhaps you might want to tell us a little bit more about some of the things you've been up to in the, in the last 14, 15 months or so since you were last with us. Well, I mean, I did start this new job in Lund, uh, meaning that I, I got to travel, get a commuting. That's my new series of photos is, is uh, uh, commuting, the experience of commuting. And I've caught, I don't know, a lot of people in those situations and a lot of, you know, scenery swishing by. But that's just the, the way I, I do my photography. I, I, I shoot while I experience other things, while I do other things. It's my way of uh, disconnecting from whatever is happening right now and, and, and looking at it from a different angle. I used to be a, a bicycling um, IT consultant in Stockholm and always brought my camera with me everywhere, meaning I saw Stockholm from, from every angle. Um, and since I was traveling in, at, in work, I just could go anywhere, could go everywhere in Stockholm and, and shoot. Also, I just a week ago, I had my first wedding shoot and there are so many things I did wrong. It's going to be so much better next time. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I remember we were having a, a little bit of a talk about uh, yeah. what, what equipment uh, you might be taking with you on that, and I think this is this is going to be probably reminiscent to just about anybody uh, that's a, <laughs> an enthusiast uh, photographer with multiple pieces of equipment to take, and having to work out exactly what to actually take, and almost certainly taking too much stuff. Yeah, I mean, what what did you actually narrow everything down to in the end? Uh, it's a list of things, um, but. I did use everything, so I don't know if that's good or bad. If I brought fewer things, maybe I'd, I would have used fewer things. Um, maybe I would have limited myself. And we all, we all know that limiting yourself can really be a, a kick in the creative ass. You, it can get you going. But I was just afraid uh, to not bring what I needed. For example, when I started thinking about it, I thought I wouldn't need a wide angle at all, a super wide angle, because why would I? It's, it's gonna be a wedding, it's gonna be, the focus is gonna be people. But um, I, I, determined, I decided to bring one, and um, the interior shots of the church 
with a super wide angle are fantastic. And if I hadn't brought that, I wouldn't have had those. Uh, but it's that's the anxiety, right? What if I don't bring this and then I need it? Did you did you find you ended up using a certain camera or a certain lens far more than you expected to? I had not expected to be using the GFX 50R for party shoots, for, for dancing, uh, but it simply had the highest usable ISO and someone turned off the lights. So I had to do that. And I discovered that Johnny had been right all along. Oh, you, yeah, you don't need body stabilization. <laughs> <laughs> if you stabilize your body. <laughs> no, because when things are moving, body stabilization isn't going to be helping right. unless you're stabilizing everybody else's bodies too. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you've, you've, you've already mentioned uh, uh, your, your Fuji of uh, GFX 50R. Yeah. And and that's that's really the uh, the the cut and thrust of what we really want to talk to you about this week. Yeah. Um, and um, in in particular, uh, you've you know, like 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 many of us, uh, you like to use old lenses on uh, on digital cameras. Of course. And uh, and of course, there's something different about that Fuji compared to uh, uh, full frame cameras or APS-C or Micro Four Thirds, and that's it. it's got a larger sensor. Yeah. Um, so perhaps you might want to tell us a little bit more about your experience uh, with, with that camera, what attracted you to it, and, um, well, and some general thoughts about it. I was choosing between the GFX 50R and uh, a top-of-the-line Sony. Uh, the, <coughs> not, the 9 would be over the top. I don't need that type of – it's a sports camera. But I was looking at the um, A7R III. Um, but I decided that the GFX 50R gives me something that no other camera can. And that is, as you say, the wider sensor, meaning I could use all my current lenses and see which of them are usable on a wider sensor than that. Um, so I could take all the lenses I love and see, do they have something hidden outside of the visible area? And that's why I picked it. Of course, you guys have been talking about Fujis for a long time. And you seem to to appreciate the street cameras, and um, the I don't know the feeling of the images. Now I don't even know if the 50R has the the different color pattern that many Fujis have, or if it's just another Bayer camera. I think it's a it's Bayer a, camera. It's a Bayer. Yeah. Yeah, it's not X. Because it's the same. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, it's not X trans. So I didn't. I don't get that part. I don't see that that part of it but i do love the jpegs that comes out of it i didn't know that before i got it i got it solely because it's a it's a slightly smaller uh much cheaper uh, camera with that sensor in it and it's mirrorless i mean the i think the the pentax 645z and d also have this sensor but they are they both have mirror boxes and adaptation will be more difficult on that so that's what attracted me to it and uh, Per, do you only um, do you have any of the actual like native lenses, or no. is everything you're using adapted? Yeah, I'm not using any native lenses. I made that mistake with the Sony when I got that. I got the I get the package of the kit lens. I never used it, and I I sold it. I had to brush the dust off it, but I sold it for for good money. Yeah, the reason why I ask is um, the GFX is extremely popular in Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, and I, I've spent quite a, time, a bit of time playing with both, and like your conventional wisdom is that 
lenses that are designed for smaller formats have to uh, resolve a little bit more um, because you're not enlarging the I image size quite so much. But one thing I've noticed looking at all of the images in Hon that Hong Kong shooters are um, getting with their GFXs is uh -huh. uh, a lot of the 35 millimeter lenses when I compare what you're getting with like, you know, the standard 63 millimeter autofocus lens with the GFX, yeah. th there, the look doesn't strike me in many, many cases as like more crisp. Obviously the native lenses are optimized for the sensor. And I think the only lens I've seen, well, two things. The, the one lens I've seen used on the GFX that yields results that blow my mind is the Zeiss Otis 85. Mm, um, yeah. But the most popular lens to use on the GFX in Hong Kong seems to be the Minolta 58 1.4. And yeah. I'm just wondering if, if you've, I, I know you, you said you don't have V native lenses, but I'm wondering if you've seeing if you're seeing a difference in the way that your lenses resolve uh, on like full frame versus the, uh, the GFX. I mean, I've only been window shopping the native lenses and the only native lens I'm, I'm even considering is the, um, uh, what's that? The 65 millimeter 1.4 by I don't I can't remember who makes it, but it's a third party manual focus lens. That's the only native one. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, considering. yeah. A native. Is it by like Sam Yang or something like that? No, it's not Sam Yang, but it's or, uh, Miticon. Like, Miticon. Uh, yes, it is. It is Miticon. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're the one with the 50 0.95 for the Sony. The yeah, it's the Chinese thing. company. Yeah. They got the crazy yeah. fast, huge lenses. Uh, that's the only one I've been really looking at. The others are just, uh, I, I haven't seen the results from the others. But the thing about it, just like all the other cameras I own, well, yeah, including the Olympus, is that with native autofocus lenses, the images are boring. Yeah, yeah. They're, f they're not flat. Sure, they're full in detail, but the detail, it doesn't give you focus. It doesn't give you... I mean, people just look at, look at Instagram and everyone adds a vignette anyway. So what does it matter that you, you buy these native lenses that have no vignetting and no light fall off and no weird, crazy bokeh? It, it's just a straight up photo. It's perfectly sharp. It's completely, totally boring. And then people had to add effects. I mean, people even pour on light leaks onto their perfect photos because they think <laughs> it's cool. So I think it's cool too. But it's, I think it's cooler to, to actually get that effect from the lens itself. Well, not light leaks, obviously. I don't want light leaks in my GFX 50-year. Definitely suck. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, like, um, you know, with, with uh, these medium format lenses, I, I quite like the way they look even, um, you know, compared to like a native, native glass on 35 mil. When you, say, totally when you say native format, when you say medium format lens, are you still talking about the GFX lenses? The yeah, lens what, GFX? yeah, so what I mean is uh -huh. when, I, when I look at the native GFX lenses yeah. and the way they resolve on the GFX, I, I like the way they look a lot more than, say, uh, a Sony lens on a Sony, right? Um, but what I'm curious about then is, like I shoot a lot of medium format film. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Simon obviously is shooting large format. And, and there's that medium format look that you get. And I'm wondering, like, when you're sticking 35 millimeter lenses on the GFX, are you seeing any of that sort of medium format look because of the sensor? This is a much bigger question than you think it is. <laughs> or maybe you uh, know exactly how big the question is. Yeah, it's a big question. Uh, because it really has nothing to do with the size of the sensor. 
it's all a question about how fast is your lens, how fast and how long is your lens compared to your sensor. That's the only thing that matters. And and the thing is that you get a lot of the there. I mean, there there's a Sony 24 millimeter 1.4 lens out now, now, right? A native Sony lens, I think, uh, 24 1.4. That would give you a fantastic medium format look. Because Wait, hold it's on, hold just, on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when, when I say medium format, look, I'm, I'm not just talking about shallow depth of field. I think you um, are. <laughs> no, no, because when I'm shoot like when I'm shooting, you know, like my Bronica RF six four five at f eleven, yeah. um, it pops in a way where I yeah, can see a huge work. difference with like you know a Leica lens on on a digital thirty five yes. mil. So there there is a different look to it that isn't just to do with like depth of field and fall off. Um, and and so yeah, I, I mean I mean you have a Sony as well, right? So I, yes. I think what I'm most interested in is just like the perceptible differences you're seeing when you use the same lens on both, other than the field of view and like depth of field. There is nothing other than the field of view, but the first impression you get from a photo, I mean, I don't know how far gone all you guys are, but the first impression you get from a photo is not the technical details. Yeah. The first impression you get from a photo is wow or eh. Or meh, you know, it, it it either pops or it doesn't, and and not until you start looking at it closer, you realize why it might be doing that. And vignetting is a perfect example. We all know what vignetting is, but it can really make a subject pop depending on how it's shaped. You know, how, if there are highlights on a on a part of the the, the central part that's in focus and that's bright it can really make a photo pop. It's just such a simple thing. You just drop the edges by two or, two or three um, EVs. It's, it's simple. Uh, but uh, it, it makes the photo pop. Now, have I seen this uh, with medium format lenses? Oh, sorry, with 35 millimeter lenses on the, the GFX? Yes, the 58 1.4 is an amazing example. It's a semi, I mean, it's, it's longer than normal. Sorry, but that's me bleeping and plinging here. So I'm just going to try this sound off. Um, so, and you get corners that have weird things going on that really frame whatever you're shooting. Um, but there's another thing, and that is that the GFX and this sensor is not that much bigger than 35. Yeah. How large are your negatives on a medium format camera? Oh, they're way bigger. I mean, like yes. six by nine is the biggest. Six go, by right? nine, exactly. So six by sixty by ninety centimeters compared to thirty-five by, by twenty-four. 30. Yeah, with the thirty-five and forty-four by thirty-three. Now, forty-four by thirty-three is not medium format. That's my opinion. It's larger than thirty-five millimeter or thirty-six millimeter, but it is not medium format. It is. I don't know. I don't remember what what I think Fuji are trying to sell it off as large format or big format or whatever. But it's just it's like thirty five millimeter plus or thirty five millimeter with fries and a coke. It's <laughs> it gets you interesting edges from thirty five millimeter lenses, and uh, you have to big, build slightly larger lenses if you want to cover the entire lens with a native lens. Sorry, cover the entire sensor with a medium lens with a lens intended for the format but it's not super large and if you as soon as you use an actual medium format lens you're you're wasting lots of the image circle well wasting we used to say waste waste the image circle a lot when we talked about uh, micro four thirds back in the day and we're, some people were saying you're using just the best part of the lens and some people were saying you're wasting all the cool spirally things around the corners but really you're using a big lens on a small camera that's what you're doing
And if you put a real medium format lens on a GFX, I think I would like to have a speed booster for that. Oh, interesting. There are such things. Um, and some people use them, and that means you use more of the medium format image circle, the true medium format image circle. But true image, true six by six or six by nine is so much larger than the 40, 44 by mm -hmm. uh, 33 that that is medium format feel. That is where you get uh, awesome separation at f11 because that's simply how the math works out. You 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 multiply by two and the, you have a twice as wide image and a twice as tall image. And that's just what happens when you double everything. It's the, it's the same difference between this and what you're shooting as between micro four thirds and the Sony 36 millimeter wide sensor. That's the same difference. That's the jump you're making when you go to the true medium format film. The GFX is slightly larger than 35 millimeter. The area is, I don't know, maybe, what was it, 60% larger, something like that. The width is just slightly larger and it's much taller. It's four by, four by three instead of uh, three by two. But image surface area is just light gathering. It's not that much wider, really. Just, just been looking at the, uh, the dimensions uh, and it's, it's it's very interesting that, you, that you've you've come out and, uh, and and declared it not to be medium format. Um, uh, that sort of completely uh, done me over for my joke I was going to do by calling it the micro four thirds of medium format. <laughs> no, the micro four thirds yeah. of medium format. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. That that is what it would be. Yeah. Um, but there uh, was such a thing as four four point five, right? I think some cameras took four point five by something. But I don't yeah. know what it well, was. You've got the six four fives, um, so that's that's basically what I would normally think has been uh, me medium format yeah. as a starting that's... point. And exactly and that, and yeah. like with these things, when people talk about six by six and six four five, I was disappointed when I realised that a six by six is actually uh, fifty six millimeters um, rather than sixty <laughs> millimeters. Um, and uh, but just I, I looked up before we started actually what what was six four five and it's uh, again it's fifty six millimeters in 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 height uh, sorry or well, length I should say um, and forty two uh, millimeters uh, wide so just a, just a quick comparison there you've got uh, just under forty four by let's, oh yeah we'll round it up there so forty four by thirty three versus fifty six by 42 so uh, you've got a, a good 10 millimeters in one direction and uh, about 12 millimeters in a, in, a, in another there or a, a, the um, the phase one system has a sensor that size and uh, one some of the house blocks yeah. have too yeah, yeah. Um, so it's funny I mean, that the, the biggest available my uh, medium digitals you can buy are as big as the smallest medium format film you could shoot. Uh, well, I mean, there are some like crazy large format digital cameras, right? But they're like, yeah, they're, they're good in, luck finding a store that carries them. Yeah, I mean, technically though, anything above thirty-five millimeter and smaller than like four by five is medium format, right? Because I mean, yeah. like one twenty-seven yeah. film did exist. Yeah, and it's medium format. But I'm not, I, I think I should clarify that I'm not disappointed in this camera. 
not at all. And I love uh, capturing the edges that I could not see before. And I, I love the the not the it's not a medium format feel, but it's definitely better than thirty five millimeter. Um, so I'm not disappointed, but I'm I'm still making the point that it's not it doesn't have enough of a difference. It's yeah, not even. Enough. I mean, it's not even. APS-C is half the area of full frame of 35 millimeter, but the the, the Fuji is not a hundred percent larger in area. It's roughly an 0.8 times crop factor, right? That's the crop factor on the width, yes, but it is yeah, taller. Yeah. So yeah, it's 0.76 like in total or something. If if you count the diagonal, it depends on how you, how you look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this reminds me a little bit of uh, back in the earlier days of digital. Uh, when uh, there were different sizes of APS uh, because there was oh, yeah. APS-C and there's APS-H, yeah, uh, yeah. which is which is larger again than APS-C if, I, if I'm if I'm recalling uh, correctly, and that's what uh, I think the I don't know if it was the D2 or D2X or something with uh, from 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 Nikon uh, as, a, yeah. as a pro camera, and then they made, yeah the, the 1D series from Canon yeah, and so ultimately i think that was back in the time they they were doing that because perhaps the the cost of producing a, a full frame sensor back then was exorbitant in much the same way as producing a, a say a 645 sized uh, sensor uh, the the extra cost of producing that one would potentially take the camera out of the market that it's trying to sell into because they're not a cheap camera in the first place but it it does make me wonder if we were to a similar kind of APSH kind of era and how long that era is actually going to go on for and whether or not well, the next size up will actually happen or whether they'll just jump straight to 666 and, and leave this as like the equivalent of uh, the old 645. From a camera design front, I can jump in on that because, you know, back when I used to shoot fashion, I, I was shooting with a 1DS Mark II and a 1D Mark III, mm-hmm. uh, which was an APS-H. And the reason why um, they had both lines of the 1.3 time crop and the full frame pro cameras was not only a cost thing, but also the processing speed, because like the smaller sensor let Canon at least put like really high um, burst rates and a really large buffer uh-huh. um, comparatively. So you know, there's trade offs, right, and that aren't just a factor of price. Yeah, I think when we look at our JPEGs and our RAW files, we forget that the actual data that has to be sampled from the sensor is is much larger again. Uh, and I mean, even with higher processing speeds, you have the transfer speeds. You have to transfer all that data, uh, which makes some of the high-speed full-frame cameras today, like the Sony A9, it's, it's, it's awesomely impressive how much data they can collect from that sensor in short periods of time. The, the other thing, though, is like the Fuji have recently announced the, um, I don't know if it's a GFX 100 or what, what the uh, yeah. letters are, but yeah, they've so got the 100 millimeter, 100 millimeter, 100 <laughs> uh, meg sensor. Yeah. So obviously that, in terms of computing power on the device, they've resolved that problem if they're going to have a 100 megapixel sensor. And, and people aren't shooting yeah. sports with the thing, are they? So, uh, but that sort of, make, again, makes me think, well, there's a couple of things there. I'm, th- I'm thinking, well, would it could they have gone for a larger sensor? And I think they probably, they could have gone for that because uh, in the sensor technology that's in the, the GFX 50s is actually quite a few years old so i suppose they could have certainly could have made a larger sensor because all these uh, the three cameras that uh, use that sensor they're all sony sensors 
So, but then they'd have to make new lenses, precisely, yeah, and, and new mounts, and that, that's it. So, so people have had to put in a, a lot of effort to get that um, those those lenses produced, and really, they couldn't just um, abandon that. That's there, that there is one thing they could do though that no, but nobody has been doing, and that's a square sensor. Um, because with a square sensor, you don't have to reorient into portrait or landscape, and you cover you actually cover a larger portion of the image circle too. But you will get vignetting that you didn't get before if you're going to maintain the width. I mean, um, well, that that's it. Well, it, it's that's a bit like with the uh, the say the 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 Bronicas, uh, the ETR, which is six four five, and you got the SQs, yeah. um, which is. You know, uh, six by six versus six by four by five. But you know, the actual six, sorry, six four five. Um, but the actual, if you look at the the standard lens for um, an ETR, I think it's a seventy five millimeter lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas on the SQ, at the top of my head, I think it's uh, an eight. Oh, it is. It's an eight, eighty millimeter lens. Um, so you will you. you the, and the actual lens itself is larger. I, I thought that well, you could just potentially use the same lens, and uh, but they're not. They, they, you do need a larger image circle to cover those uh, those effectively extra wide corners that you have with a square compared to a rectangle. Yeah. So, Per, do you um, do you shoot specific? Do you like to shoot specific types of photography with the GFX? Like, when would you pick that up um, and and go with it? I haven't had it long enough to determine the situation where it's best. I mean, it's it's a slow camera. Mm-hmm. With it set to burst mode, it takes three shots a second, which is abysmal. And I think it's even slower. I think it's much slower when you're using single shot. At least I've missed so many opportunities with single shot. I think we were talking about transfers and, and, and calculations. I think it actually drops the bit rate sorry, the bit depth of each pixel a little bit when you go into burst mode. Some cameras do that. I think this one does too, because otherwise there wouldn't be such a huge difference. But So the thing is, it's not a fast camera. You can't use it for fast work unless you're very, very well prepared. Um, I want to shoot people with it, but I haven't had a shoot, uh, a model shoot with it yet. And we'll see how it, how this summer works out. So, so far it's been my huge street camera, my huge commute camera, and I used it for surprisingly for the party at a wedding recently. Um, that's not the best use case, um, again, because it's so slow. But, um, yeah, like I said, it has the best ISO of the cameras I, I'm using. And, what, and how are you finding it uh, handles? Um, and, like, how do the, how are you finding the focus assist? with Focus assist is very interesting. It, it does something to the... It processes the image you see somehow. I haven't found a way to turn it off, actually, um, <laughs> where it, it increases sharpness. It's almost like looking through a, 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 matte, um, a matte screen, almost. I don't know if it's, it, that is the intended uh, effect, but it, it has that. Even if you turn off the um, highlighting, it, in, it increases sharpness on the, the parts that are in focus, and it decreases sharpness on the parts that are out of focus. And that works very, very well, because you obviously don't have to enable it or anything. Uh, so it, I, I really like the focus assists that are available. There's also a, a twin frame mode for the rear, or even for the viewfinder, where you see both uh, uh, the entire photo, the entire frame, and um, a close-up in the same image. So very good uh, focus assist tools there. Works very, very well with manual lenses. And 
as I said, I don't even have any autofocus lenses to compare with. So, um, so that works very well for me. Uh, the party shoot, I haven't gone through the party shots yet, but it, it seems like I have a, a fairly good hit ratio with them anyway. And remember that I'm talking about dancing people in complete darkness. So uh, autofocus could not have done that, but I can with these tools at hand. I should go for deeper depth of field too. I have been touching 11 and 16 for some shots, but not because medium format demands it, but mostly because I'm, I'm just trying to move away from the whole wide open thing. So has anybody seen any um, prints out of this camera, like hard copy physical prints? Because I, I mean, I had to say, I, we had one of these at, the, at Central Camera about, I don't know, last summer. We got a um, a GFX with a with the kit lens, the sixty three millimeter lens, and I test shot it around the shop. Um, and I mean, I thought it was I, it was like the first digital camera I've seen in you know five or six years that I was like, whoa, I would love to have this thing. <laughs> and that, and I, the other thing is, I you know, I think um, to me, the whole thing with medium format cameras really has always been the the reason for their existence at least commercially, was that you had a much bigger piece of film in order to make really uh, publication you know, work from. So really, people were shooting medium format, and you're scanning that or reproducing that. Well, really scanning it, going back quite a ways. But you're, you're scanning that, and then you're putting it in big, glossy fashion magazines. And there's so much detail that you can pull out of that larger, you know, that, that larger uh, piece of film that when you print it, in any format, whether it's the printed page at 300 DPI or higher or on a physical print, it has a look that's really different that you just can't really get with 35 millimeter. And that, that's been my experience with this camera is, you know, we made some physical prints that were 20 inches on the long side and they were like, it was ridiculous. I, I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of detail in the foreground and the backgrounds look nice. Now they did certainly have a digital look. They were just clean. They were clean. Right. Uh, but the print quality was incredible. So to me, that's kind of like, if you're just putting them on the screen, I don't know how much different they're going to look than a high end Sony mirrorless. But I, I wonder about, you know, when you're using these things for like publication or something, if the images that are coming out of them, are we going to have that same look that, that you really can't get from a smaller piece of film or sensor? Do you see that? Uh, do you see that project that Fuji did with um, Magnum for a no, GFX print? One. So there was an exhibition a while back in Hong Kong where Fuji was like marketing the GFX on its launch. And they basically gave a GFX a 50 S in this case to a bunch of different Magnum photographers like okay. Elliot Erwitt. Uh, I think, Alex Webb had one, but they they did a big exhibition here in Hong Kong, and there were just like a bunch of prints hanging from the walls, with each person kind of doing a a project around the theme of home. And they yeah. have different like YouTube videos for each photographer's project. But man, you're right; the prints are they're mind blowingly beautiful. Wow. Uh, I, well, see, this is the thing. I guess I struggle with 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 medium format right now is everybody's kind of shooting medium format and throwing it on Instagram. And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, if you, the perfect case in point to me is like the, the Mamiya RB and RZ cameras. I think if you shoot a Mamiya RB 
and put it on Instagram, it looks no different than 35 millimeter. You can't even tell it apart. It's like a, it's such a wasted effort if that's the only intended output. But if you made, you know, if you made enlargements from it, like actual prints, it's going to look different. So I, I, it's just a kind of an interesting dynamic in that some things like, okay, 645 stuff that's, that's shot on film and scan to me actually looks really different than even six by nine stuff. So it's, it's sort of like the, the judging it, I guess, based on image quality on a monitor versus a print. And it, it's almost more the question I think about, all right, well, how do we view photos now? And what is the intention for a particular camera as far as those images, like how they're, how are they going to be used or displayed? Cause I don't know that, you know, medium format, quote unquote, medium format, digital necessarily has that much to offer if the intended output is a computer monitor, you know, <laughs> but, but like, Okay, so two things, right? Like, number one, if anyone ever makes a square format, uh, medium format mm-hmm. digital camera, like Para was saying, um, you know they're going to put an Instagram button on it and the world is just going to come to an end. <laughs> but, but number two, I, I kind of disagree on that because, like, the at least with black and white film, right? Whether you're putting it on Instagram, uh, the scan, or on Flickr or whatever, I think there's a tonal depth to 645 and, and above, that yeah. is richer than what you get yeah. on 35 millimeter film. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would that, agree with that. Yeah. What I meant by the like uh, medium format look I was talking about earlier. Okay. Cause I mean, just for color stuff though, I don't see yeah. it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The, right. like, mo- like the most common th- type of photo that you would see, I don't really see the advantage to lugging around a gigantic six by nine RB or RZ to make Instagrammable images. <laughs> it's like, what? I don't know. Uh, pair. What's the um, uh, what's the widest lens you've used on it that that works? It's interesting that you should ask because I just had a, a an awesome haul uh, this weekend where I bought a bunch of of Minolta mount lenses from from a man who thought he was organized, and I managed to find a Tokina seventeen millimeter three point five, uh, the RMC oh, cool. seventeen, and um, it it I mean it's a lens that has very even uh, illumination on 35 millimeter for a 70 millimeter lens, especially for an off-brand one. Um, it does not cover the corners on the GFX, but at 16.9 mode, it's fine. And oh, yeah. at 64 by 24. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. So I will okay. be posting some of those photos for nice. you. 17 millimeter at 44 millimeter wide sensor. What is okay, that? Wait, wait. 30 millimeter or something? 12? I don't know. Oh, uh, oh, sorry, my mind is blank right now. <laughs> sorry. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, f- f- the wide angle question. Sorry, <laughs> right. Simon. Uh, X-Pan mode. You yes, expand mode. Oh, yes, yes. What there, is it like? What is the is viewfinder an... like? Tell me everything about expand mode. Well, <laughs> obviously there are black bars, but the viewfinder is when the viewfinder is black, it is so black. It's got to be some sort of OLED or something because it's super black. So looking through the viewfinder with no distractions, I mean, when you just turn off everything else, it is just super wide looking through the viewfinder. If Johnny ever tries this, he's going to buy one. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I see, I don't even want to go near that because I would be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> so all you need is a Tokina 17 millimeter. Now I'm guessing there are actually other wide angles, but you got to find one that doesn't have the pedals, uh, you know, sewn onto the lens. The 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 ATX version of the Tokina 17 millimeter, for example, it does have a pedal, non-removable pedal shade, so that's probably going to cut into your photo, uh, cut into your your image trickle. But with the um, with the original manual one, doesn't have a shade. That's just it. It just uh, goes side to side yeah. at, uh, at the 64 by 24. Yeah, I've got I've got that lens, so that means I need the camera now. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was such a genius move by Fuji to put that specific aspect ratio in it. Um, I mean, like when I read that it has an X pan mode, oh man, my gas levels just went through the roof. That's like the one thing <laughs> that makes me want to buy the GFX 50R tomorrow. It has um, that, and and because I've tried like my contacts Ashika lenses on it, it looks great. But oh my god, the X pan mode looks so cool because there's no digital X pan, right? Because everyone's just like, yo, just take your photo and then crop the top and bottom or put a little mask. But that's not what it's like. Because when you're shooting, you want to see that full panorama and yeah. just frame and, and, and shoot. And then you've got the little digital um, spirit level inside, right, that you can yes. turn on. Yes. So you don't have to faff around with uh, wonky horizontals. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I haven't uh, it's not tried that much heavier. combining the X-Pan with the... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's there, it's there. Uh, it has the most um, a uh, aspects out of all the cameras I own. The Sony has two. The Sony has 3.2 three, and 16.9. That's the only two ones you can shoot with. The um, Olympus has quite a few, 1.1, uh, and has like 4 by 3 standing um, for the, you know, to, to emulate the old pen cameras um but the fuji has four three three two sixteen nine one to one sixty four by twenty four five by four seven by six <laughs> nice so they, they threw it all in there um and like you said i was skeptical at first i mean i mean i know johnny was talking about x-pan and how amazing it is and i was like it's just a crop uh but looking through a super wide angle lens or even a 24 millimeter lens at the with the x-pan mode it's it's like you say. It's looking through that and just turning around with that in your viewfinder. It is a completely different experience. It's it's very cinematic, extremely yeah. cinematic. Yes. Right. Yes. And you find yourself doing these three part compositions. You know. Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's like oh it's the it's the it's the golden circle. It's the rule of thirds. Nope. It's just the left third. It's the right third. It's the yep. center third. That's that's what you have. That's all you have. <laughs> Who needs a top and bottom? <laughs> and it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is very interesting. So a lot of lenses that are not usable in in four three or three two, uh, I still will use them in the X-Pan mode. Yeah. You know, there are people in Hong Kong who adapt uh, the X-Pan lenses to GFX um, because, like, obviously the image circle is, like, much bigger than 35 millimeter. But, like, on the X-Pan, which, you know, I have one, Johnny. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. But I, the, I know, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> that one was for Ricardo Bayon. He, he made, made a joke about how... I got to mention on every episode that I've got an X-Pan. No, but there's a there's significant light fall off on the edges um, for the X-Pan to the extent that they make a center filter to, like, darken the middle and, and um, even out the illumination. Um, but, like, this is the first truly, like, native digital way to shoot that aspect ratio, and that's so cool. 
And and with the Tokino, you would get an even wider field of view, right? How wide the the X Pen is twenty four, right? Uh, yeah. Well, the the X Pen it, it it's it's when when I say wider field of view, I mean like because the sort of reverse crop factor. Yeah, the yeah. X Pen has three lenses. Um, there's a forty five mil, and the the horizontal field of view is basically equivalent to a twenty four millimeter lens yeah. on a thirty five mil, and then there's a thirty millimeter lens, but that costs like both of your kidneys. Hmm. Good thing I have both of them. But yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. I will. We would have to shoot some sort of comparison. Um, I would have to find some spot where someone else has shot an X pan and would have to compare. I'll come to Hong Kong. <laughs> that's I, that's a very shootable place. I hear rubber bullets and everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, that's a recent development, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've just discovered this. I discovered this this weekend. I had a, f I had a, f I have another um, Tokina 17 millimeter that I shot, um, you know, beach and sunset photos with once on film. But the um, that that's the the AF one that has the um, built-in pedal hood, and uh, I've been looking for this because I had a suspicion. I was also planning on getting more adapters for the GFX to try AF lenses on, but come on, we all know F AF lenses are not that much fun. Yeah, and the closest approximation you would get to the standard X-Pan lens on a GFX in X-Pan mode would be like a 28 millimeter lens. So that would be really nicely balanced in terms of handling on the mm -hmm. camera as well. The um, yeah, I think the I think the Sigma Mini Wide is fine. I mean, the corners are bad, but I think it's fine in X-Pan mode. I haven't used it because I have wider lenses than that. I've tried the Minolta 24mm, the Minolta MC 24mm that worked well in X-Pan mode. Took a lot of shots with that. Has some weird smearing at the extreme edges. The MDW Rockcore 28mm I thought was far too smeary at the corners. It was You couldn't read text in the corners on that one. Uh, but the yeah. Tokina is very, very promising. I've, like I said, I've only shot with it for two days, but I'm very excited to look at the results when I offload them. I want to tie back to what Johnny said about image quality. Sometimes you get carried away and start talking about tech specs and you know carryability and stuff like that, but the images are beautiful. I know I'm not supposed to look at them on a computer monitor, but that's how I get the photos actually out somewhere, anywhere. But they are beautiful. They are. I mean, I think Fuji and their how they process their images in camera mm -hmm. is a perfect match for for a semi medium format camera. I think they are the people who should make a six by six digital if they ever do. Yeah, and and they know how to make a camera that handles intuitively as well. I mean, um, the the times when I played with the fifty R, you know, it, it feels a little bit chunky in my hand, but when I'm actually like playing with it at a store or boring one of my friends uh i quite I, you know it's 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 like not heavier than like a dslr right it's not heavier but when you say chunky i i say it's the biggest small camera i've ever seen it's <laughs> yeah built, it's yeah it's rangefinder styled but they forget that you you're not scaling up your hands they're scale, scaled up everything it's higher it's taller it's wider it's deeper it's thicker it's heavier but your hands are still the same shape and size, so yeah. I'm I'm afraid to drop it all the time. You know, you know what it reminds me of when I when I hold the 50R in particular. It reminds me of the Texas Leica. 
Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other Fuji, um, uh, GW690. And I, and I wonder if they took some inspiration from their body design yeah. uh, from that because they have like some striking similarities. Right. So, Per, do you have, have you come to some conclusions about favorite lenses uh, thus far on the, on the GFX? Yes, I mean Perigee mentioned that the fifty, the Minolta MC fifty eight one point four is is really popular on the system, and I mean I, I see why it's it's a, a lens with a lot of character, and all of that character is transferred to the GFX. Plus, you get some crazy corner smudging that really centers your subject. It's a circular smudge, uh, so it it gives you like a almost a I don't know if crosshairs is a good word uh, right now, but it's a circle around your subject, no matter what your subject is. Very obvious when you do portraits uh, with it. I mean, uh, the, the portrait aspect. Um, so the, it's a beautiful lens, but it is, it is what it is. It's old and it's, it's soft and smudgy. If you want something sharper um, and most of all smaller because the GFX is such a huge camera, uh, the 45 millimeter f2 pancake, uh, which is a little bit too sticky Audi to be a pancake, but it's very small, very light, and it covers, if you stop it down a little bit, it covers the sensor very, very well. And a 45 millimeter lens comes very nicely to 36 or 35 millimeters uh, equivalency on the GFX. So that has been my walking around lens for most of my commuting photography and for much of my traveling photography too because there are there are many other lenses that cover the sensor but there are none that are so small and uh, and easy to handle as the 45 f.2 yeah f2.0 oh. sorry yeah. do you do you find that because of the the the, the i don't know what the i'd say crop factor but it's a I don't know if it's an inverse crop factor. Or I don't know what the correct term would be, but the so any lens that you would normally use on full frame is going to behave as if it's a wider lens. Yeah. Has has that affected the way that you use any of your lenses? Because I know that you know, you're a big Minolta fan. Um, yeah. Which I, I do feel sorry for you for that question. <laughs> um, but um, do you, do you find that there are some lenses that you might use in a particular way on your on your full frame camera that you use differently on your Fuji? Oh yes, yes. The the Minolta eighty five millimeter very soft two point uh, f uh, two point eight is a portrait lens from the eighties. If it's like if you don't know what it is and you look at an 80s beauty shoot that's that's what it is that's the the people didn't smear vaseline on all their lenses because some of their lenses were minolta very softs um for for a 35 millimeter that is a one person portrait sh shooter of course it's an 85 you'd have to back off per, uh, quite a bit to to get pe two people in the shot but on the fuji it is a walking around lens and that's not because that's just not just because the the GFX is wider, but also because it is the sensor is taller, so that when you shoot in portrait aspect, when you turn the camera, you can fit two people quite comfortably at a at a, a normal shooting distance. Uh, plus, eighty five millimeter on the GFX comes out to to something of a walk around lens too. Stop it down to. 5.6 and you could just walk around with it it's just a little bit longer than a normal lens so that's that's one example plus of course the 45 it's normally 
a uh, normal lens. It's a 45 millimeter on 35, and it's a 35 millimeter on GFX, which means I use it a lot more on GFX than I ever did on um, on the Sony because I'm more of a 35 millimeter person. And I, I think I also cracked a joke about this because I was using a, an Olympus FTL lens. I can't remember if it's a G Zuiko or whatever the 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 letter that, the letter that precedes the Zuiko. I have a 35 millimeter 2.8. Um, that I used on the quite, for several weeks on the GFX, not realizing that it comes out to 28 millimeter equivalency, and I never shoot 28. But apparently, on Fuji GFX, I do. Yeah, that that yeah that that is interesting. Um, and it, it you know it's something I've, I've mentioned before as well. When when I move from micro four thirds to full frame. Um, my style of photography just 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 changed. Although I was shooting largely similar kind of lenses, I, I was just using them in, in in different ways as as a result of it. Um, but we were before we we came on, uh, we were we just touched upon it about how different lenses uh, behave on different systems and whether that be APS-C or Micro Four Thirds oh, yeah. and uh, and and now uh, this uh, this small medium format. And I'm I'm just wondering if you've if you've got any insight on any lenses that uh, behave particularly well on some formats uh, because you 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 have many formats. Uh, I'm just just wondering if you got a, if, if you got a take on that one. Well, the the 45 millimeter again is a completely different lens on micro four thirds because you only have the super super sharp center and it's it's super sharp and and very even. Uh, out to the corners at any f-stop on micro four thirds, even even APS-C with a, which I don't own, but I have a speed booster that gets me there. Um, it's a very even lens, very uh, small, again, very very easy to work with. But it on micro four thirds, it is a long, uh, it's a, or a short tele lens. It's a portrait lens, whheras. I mean that's the difference, right? It's it comes out 90 millimeter equivalency on micro four thirds, and it's a 35 millimeter on the GFX. Those are completely different use cases. Um, those are you would do completely different things with those two lenses that are still the same lens because they behave completely differently on these two systems. And again, on the GFX, it suddenly has character. It's not this perfectly sharp, perfectly even lens anymore because it has. A little bit of swirl at the corners, and it has a, a little bit of vignetting when it's wide open, and it's uh, uh, it leads you into the shot in a completely different way before processing. There's also the hundred millimeter; it's an MC hundred millimeter f two point five Minolta, um, which I use for macro on Micro Four Thirds because it it has has a long. Uh, MFD, but if you put a couple of um, extension rings on it, um, and with the stabilization on the on the Olympus, uh, it's a very workable macro combination. I would never use it that way on the GFX for a couple reasons, but using it without any macros, it comes out to 80 or 76 millimeters, depending on how you count, and it's a it's a great portrait lens, and it feels faster. I mean. We're used to getting shallower depth of field when we open the lens up wider, and it feels like that putting lenses on a GFX. So that lenses, some lenses that I haven't considered before because it, I feel they're too slow or you know not versatile enough 
on the GFX, I feel I have more latitude, both with the better ISO, of course, but also because they feel faster. A 35 millimeter isn't slow anymore. Uh, sorry, a, a, an F3.5 isn't slow anymore. It's it feels faster than 2.8. Yeah, I guess actually just 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 a housekeeping point there. You mentioned MFD, uh, which you were, were talking about minimum focus distance. Just for uh, those those people listening that uh, weren't weren't too familiar with the uh, uh, with with those with that term. Um, it's the minimum focus distance. How close you can you get to a subject? Ex- exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, it, that's that's an interesting point uh, when you when you're saying about um, how lenses feel faster. I mean, obviously, if you if you if we're talking about light gathering, then well, this is this is starting to confuse me now. But um, I'm I'm just I'm just wondering because you're mm, I'm just thinking about the because there's a calculation about how an f-stop is 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 created and but you're you're seeing more of what is projected through the lens but just the actual aperture of the the size of the rear element doesn't get any wider so therefore the lens itself is not actually yeah more light is is reaching the back of the camera but you there's it's it's not as if like it's a wider aperture anymore but the difference you're seeing there is is because um the the equivalency of the lens is actually getting wider yet it's still getting uh, you realize hamish is throwing things right now right yeah i do yeah hamish is like throwing yelling and throwing things right now yeah i've i've bit through my tongue it's bleeding all over my desk right now (laughs) yeah okay well i'm gonna hand over uh to more learned people um who can put into words better than what i'm actually talking about there now No, I mean, there's like 700 different concepts in there, right? But I think the simplest way to think about it is just like the, the same way that, you know, a 35 millimeter f2.8 lens is going to look different on a crop sensor versus a full frame sensor in terms of its depth of field and thereby give an impression of like a different, um, I, I don't want to say lens speed because it's a misleading term here, right? Yeah. But like, it's the, it's the same idea when shooting like, f5.6 on medium format film if i'm using my six by nine cameras and i'm at shooting at f5.6 i'm like this lens is crazy fast yeah for a six by nine and i'll be really careful with focus and all that kind of stuff but then if i'm shooting on like a fuji xt10 and i'm shooting at 5.6 it's basically like f11 on um uh, on like a larger format right in terms of depth of field not in terms of light gathering not in terms of like anything else in terms of how you're calculating the uh f-stop or or t-stop and transmission for that matter yeah i you know it's interesting you say that because this comes up a lot when i'm talking with people about medium format cameras who have either kind of been shooting maybe 35 millimeter cameras or digital cameras and they look at you know they look at um medium format camera like you know, Hasselblad with an 80 millimeter 2.8 lens. And they're like, Oh, aren't they, don't they make any fast lenses for medium format? I'm like, no, that that's, that's fast. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could, you could look at like the, 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 the contact 645 with the F2 lens. Now that's crazy, you know, um, or the Bamiya 81.9. Exactly. But I mean, that, that the medium format, that's a, that's a very fast lens. So it's, yeah. it, it's a, it is a difference in, in what you were just describing, Perry. So it, it's, but it's counterintuitive if you, if it's only 
if the experience point has been 35 millimeter and you're thinking, well, it's got to be, you know, like a 1.2 yeah. to be a fast lens. Like, like Simon, your exposure is going to be the same, right? right? Like if you shoot F 5.6, uh, whatever format, you know, your, your, your exposure is going to be the same in terms of light transmission, but your depth of field and, and look is going to be dramatically different because of the size of the, the yeah. format. Yeah. I mean, come on! You're the large format guy. This should ring. This should this should resonate with you. It does. Right. It, it does. I, I think I was just struggling to uh, to to put my uh, my intelligence into words there. It makes total sense if you don't think about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you start thinking about it, you can't sleep. Um. Hey, uh, Per. One one really interesting thing I think you were mentioning was um like lenses with a lot of character due to things like you know, field curvature and vignetting and stuff yeah. like that. Because here in Hong Kong, um, there's a, a large group of people who shoot with like crazy old lenses. And, and the GFX is really popular because they like to play with stuff like old cinema lenses for 35 millimeter film oh, yeah. Um, yeah. that have, you know, all kinds of flaws, uh, whether it's field curvature or coma or flare or whatnot. And like, as soon as you stick that onto a slightly larger sensor, the image circle uh, for lenses longer than 50 millimeters tends to cover the GFX sensor. But then you get like the, the craziness of the, the effect just, it, it gives you character that you wouldn't otherwise get. So it's similar to, you know, um, like for example, if you put like a pen F lens on a Sony full frame sensor, yeah. there are quite a few that will cover the, the sensor, mm -hmm. but like you get, you get that crazy stuff going on on the edges that um, for certain types of shots looks really cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, from the, the point of view of like using classic lenses um, for their character that that the GFX, you know, like for people who enjoy using things like the Helios 44, because it's like yeah. swirly and cool, um, you should be able to get a lot more variety, I think, in terms of what lenses can do, because you're accentuating parts of the lens that are like not supposed to be seen right i think cinema lenses are a good example i mean are, are even a perfect example cinema lenses are built for one purpose only they're supposed to let light in through the film uh through the lens and project it onto a flat surface mm -hmm. that's all they're built for a flat surface projection it it does not care about bokeh it does not care about what happens behind that because it's supposed to just hit um the <laughs> hit the cinema, uh, hit the wall, whatever. It's, it's supposed to project into the flat surface and nothing else. But then you use it for something completely different and you get these crazy effects. Like you shine, you shine a light through the wrong end of it and project it onto a sensor at the other end of it where there's supposed to be a light source and it just works and does crazy things for you. It was not designed, it was not tested for this ever until now. And yeah. 35 millimeter lenses on a larger than 35 millimeter camera is very much the same thing. It was never built for this. The the Minolta 24 millimeter f 2.8 has some really funny, funky things going on outside of the 35 millimeter uh, image circle. I, I mentioned that I can't read text at the edges of the 28 millimeter, for example. That it's not just that it gets. I mean, sure, some lenses just get darker. Some lenses have a hard cutoff, a hard, hard vignette, or whatever you want to call it, where the lens simply doesn't cover anything. There's no light there. But other lenses have this where you can kind of see how they were trying to control the edges. But then outside of that, they just went bananas and forgot about it because, you know, nobody's ever going to see that until now. Um, 
so like I said on the 58 1.4, you get some really weird smearing that comes into some sort of circle that will circle your subject and circle your subject and make them really a focus of the, of the, of the shot. And I haven't even tried experimenting with what happens if there's incident light in that area. What happens if you have, um, I mean, of course, there's crazy coma if you have uh, spot uh, light sources in there. But if, what if there's light falling in through the edge of the lens at that angle? What happens if you have a, I mean, there are a lot of things you could try uh, with that. Actually, now that I think of it, I've only had this Tokina on here for two days, but I know that my AF Tokina has a crazy ring of fire effect on 35 millimeter. Maybe I could get a full ring of fire at 44 by 33. I'd have to try that out. Oh, that's cool. Did you, did you, uh, did you have to get a new computer to process the files this big? Um, I mean, no, I haven't, I haven't, you know, batch processed a hundred of them yet. Um, but I, I mean, I am fast running out of space on my one terabyte SSD, and I really don't want to buy more of them. I, I'd like to solve that some other way. I mean, I have a, I have a special SSD just for raw files, and, and that's getting really uh, crowded with, uh, with the Olympus and the Sony and the, the GFX. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be like the world's most boring question, but... Like how big are the raw files? Because I, I hate my A7R2 partly because its files are so big, and when I download a big batch, my computer just decides like, no, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not sure. I think they're, I think they're 25 megabytes. I mean, compressed, oh, obviously, okay. uncompressed yeah. 50. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Are you losing any detail in the compression, or is it lossless? This is supposed to be lossless. Sony had a some people were mad at Sony for for actually dropping a few bits here and there with their with their compression, which is why your Sony camera has both. Uh, there was actually a firmware upgrade for the Sony A7 II that that uh, had lossless. But uh, Perry G and I talked about this before that you actually since you also have transfer speed uh, as a limitation using uncompressed will not only fill up your memory card faster, it may actually drop your, your uh, burst rate, and it will definitely decrease your buffer length. Well, not definitely, because that depends on when, you, when they perform the compression. But still, still, there are other, other uh, fall, uh, drawbacks to that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I use uncompressed on, on, on my Sony, and it, uh -huh. it, the camera chugs along. Um, it it yeah. certainly doesn't uh, take many shots before the buffer, buffer's full. Yeah, I think there was a problem with, I think red detail was damaged by compression before. But I, I think it's a two-part two thing. For one thing, yes, they put in the, the uncompressed option, but I think they also fixed the algorithm that messed up the red uh, red details. Um, my, my recollection was, or rather, whether it be red or not, I don't know, but it was the, the issue uh, was where you got very, very high contrast. Um, uh-huh. And so, say shooting at night, yeah. um, and you say you, you took a photograph of a of, a, of an illuminated road sign, uh -huh. and uh, what would happen? You would it would lose it would bin details in the highlights. It would almost like it would almost be like saying, well, no, they've they've gone too far. Nobody's going to recover those highlights, so yeah. th let's not let's not care about it. We'll just throw those away. 
and that mm. was that was what was 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 happening and I, I could definitely see a difference in that for those particular kinds of shooting now whether that's something to do with the reds or not i don't know but in practical terms that was that was what was going on with that so that's how large the files are <laughs> and, and i'm assuming like range i'm assuming rangefinder lenses don't work so well on it right I haven't tried any. I mean, you know, I'm a Minolta nut. I, I have Minolta, hey, Minolta lenses. Made, Minolta made some sweet rangefinder lenses. Yeah, I don't have those either yet. I mean, I may not even ever get there. I'm, I'm a shooting collector. I'm not a collecting collector. I'm not a hamster. My dad was a hamster and smelt of elderberries, but he is. He he taught me not to collect things for the for the sake of collecting. But I mean, I'm interested. Because since it's a ch such a chunky camera, uh, getting slimmer adapters and slimmer lenses is very interesting. It is. Well, just just slightly going off off that point there, um, and you're not being a person that buys lenses for the sake of uh, buying lenses. You've you've just bought your second <laughs> um, 250 uh, 250 mil. Uh, Mirror lenses. Yeah, <laughs> the golden child, the the creeper favorite. Um, I did. I I met a man who was selling lenses locally because he was moving in with his girlfriend and they simply could not fit all of his junk in their, their shared apartment. And he had, he had prepared very, very well. He had CLA'd most of his equipment. He had tested, he'd put in new batteries. He had, I don't think he ran film through all of his cameras, but he had prepared very, very well. And he'd written down a list of all the items he had for sale. And uh, he was very strict. He, I don't. I want this much and, and not a penny less. This I, I've decided on this price on that item and that that item, and all the items were like fifty or forty euros each. He had like a flash unit for from a from a uh, two uh, eighty px for the Minolta system for he wanted for forty euros for that, which is a bit stiff. And then he had he had the two fifty f five point six. Uh, which is Minolta's small mirror lens, um, which is very, very popular among, I don't know what crowd, but there is a crowd that buys them for top dollar. Um, uh, this I is don't understand why that lens is so expensive. Yeah, yeah, I don't think most of us do, but it is a very, very small lens. If you remove the uh, lens shade, it you could be, mis yeah, I mean, you could mistake it for a 50 millimeter, millimeter lens in size. It, it could be a chunky 50 millimeter uh, but it's actually 250 millimeters long. And I guess for some people, that is very important to be able to shoot people from afar and not have them notice. Uh, but this is my second one. And this guy was the first owner and it, he had a box for it. And he had, he didn't have a receipt, but there are price stickers on some of the items still. And there's a manual for the lens. And I mean, it's pristine condition once you scrape off the rest, the the, um, the insides of these lens cases become tacky over the twenty or thirty years that you keep them in your in your basement. Uh, but there's it, it looks flawless. The lens itself, uh, perfect kit. And so he wanted something like fifty euros for it. So I grabbed it instantly. I can't, I can't remember a name, but there is there is a pretty well known photographer that uses that lens, and I think. The shots I've seen have been more like, um, uh, let's say, fly, flyer and bokeh kind of shots. Um, but I think she she does more than that. Um, but they've they've I think I wish I could remember her name now. But uh, um, I think she is certainly one of the people that's 
uh, helped uh, the resurgence in popularity of that lens uh-huh. uh, because I think if you're doing those kind of shots, it does give you. I mean, mirror lenses are quite interesting anyway with the with the donuts that you get in the uh, instead of points of light, you get donuts of light. Um, but in some circumstances, that can that can be it can work to the advantage of the shot. I think it's beautiful for water. Uh, for for you know sun on water um, and, and get that out of focus and and become rings. It can be beautiful for um, windsurfing shots, for example. Um, but there are situations where it really works, and there are situations where it doesn't. And there are people who hate it, regardless of when they show up. And uh, there are people who who use the lenses but avoid having anything characteristic in the background anything at all with contrast in the background to avoid that um but so that's my second lens of that type and i love mirror lenses i'm definitely going to keep one of them but uh considering all the stuff i bought from him at at prices that he thought was fair i i have i do have a conscience i am fighting it but he had decided what he wanted for it and uh, i thought those were very very fair prices for me (laughs) There was also a 35 millimeter 1.8, which I, with all of the lenses I bought this weekend, like eight lenses and then a, a little tiny um, micro bellows from an old and a motor drive from my X700. I paid 340 euros for all of it, which is what I paid for one of those lenses, and which is a fraction of what I would get back if I sold the 250. I've, I've just been on the, well you've been talking now I've just been looking up the, the 250 Minolta just trying to find out if I can remember, find the name of this uh, photographer that uses it but I did actually find found an article that goes back to 2011 uh, same uh, yeah, Minolta X uh, 250 mirror why is it so valuable so that was all the way back in 2011 uh, where somebody was uh, suggesting that uh, they were about $139 when, when new and then they sold it five years ago uh, for $250. And now they're like $900. And yeah, that's like eight years ago. So uh, perhaps my uh, blaming of this uh, this photographer for pushing the price up perhaps isn't quite the case. It's they've, they've been after, they've been in demand for quite some time. So weird. Yeah. So I'm just, just thinking that it, Minolta lenses, just, it's, it's been a while since we've had you on. And uh, and you 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 really you know, there's quite a few people out there that are really into them and alter lenses, and I'm I'm just wondering if you might want to just ex- explain because I I keep forgetting why people like Minolta lenses. Um, so so what what is it about Minolta pair? Well, as I told you last time, 14 months ago, <laughs> it's <laughs> for me. It's not just a matter of of how the the, the lens and the camera feels. I mean, it is about that too. Uh, I I think my mother had Minolta's when I was a child, and when I when I found when I rediscovered Minolta's as an adult, it it just fit in my hands, and it, they looked beautiful through the viewfinder, and I just fell in love. But it it also that is one part of it. Yes. It, they just look like cameras are supposed to look and the lenses just feel like lenses are supposed to feel for me. But that's personal. But the other reason is simply because if I don't collect Minolta specifically, if I just branch out and get everything you guys recommend, I'm going to burst out of my Billy bookcase and spill out onto the, <laughs> the entire house with 
crap that I barely use. So instead, I have my specific Billy bookcase, and it has only Minolta-related items. No rangefinder lenses yet, but they'll, you know, they'll come. Well, pair the solution is you need six more Billy bookcases. No, no, the Billy bookcase <laughs> is my limitation. It, it's what keeps me sane. If I buy anything that doesn't fit in there, something else has to go. It's just otherwise, I'm going to turn into my dad. I'm going to turn into a hamster. <laughs> I was just going to say Billy bookcases are available in different widths. Uh, which which what width is your uh, Billy bookcase? This is just the forty-five. This is the this is the narrow one. Yeah. Nope. The, yeah. Yeah, but so I think I've got a 600 wide one I'm looking at at the moment. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of space there for you to, you know, stick with the rules there. Or is mine 60 and yours 90? I don't I don't Ooh, recall. But I, I have what it is. One. Yeah, it is bigger yeah. than that. You're right. Yeah, I have the narrow one. It's. I mean, I, I'm at the point where the normal lenses are stacked on top of each other, which is not <laughs> very accessible. Uh, <laughs> are you guys done comparing bookcase sizes yet, or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm I'm lim- Minolta is my way of limiting my collection. So it's uh, yes, there are, I like them. I can't speak for why others love them. I love them because they remind me of my mother and my childhood, and and they are the archetypal camera and archetypal lens for me. Um, and I'm very satisfied with the the amount of choice I have from that. Uh, plus, Minolta was a very inventive company they have very they have a lot of original lenses very odd ones like the 250 mirror lens a small mirror lens um i mean sometimes i think it would be fun if someone had made a 100 millimeter mirror lens like a really small lens with a 100 millimeter reach Uh, but the minolta 250 is probably the, the the shortest mirror lens you can get uh i think there are other 250s from third party brands but i don't think there are any shorter ones um, there's of course the very soft that I mentioned. There's the um, variable field curvature, 24 millimeter and 35 millimeter lenses, which are very odd ones. There's um, uh, there's the STF lens, the 135 millimeter that has a uh, that was focused around shaping the bokeh, just softening it up. That's specifically for that, like adding. Um, adding specific elements to make the shape of the bokeh different. Not the focus areas, just the out-of-focus areas. So they had a lot of weird things going on, and they were very inventive. And They had that terrible yellow little plastic floating camera thing. And they all died out because they made some awful, awful business mistakes. And um, it's a sad story, but that's... I mean, I had Atari computers when I was a kid. Apparently, I'm, I'm a sucker for lost causes. Sorry, not to uh, uh, just to clarify, right? And excuse my ignorance, but the the Minolta Very Soft that you're talking about, it's spelled V A R I, right? Not V E R Y. <laughs> it may as well be. <laughs> you would be okay. excused for thinking so, because like the only Minolta lenses I really have tried are like you know the ones that the rangefinder lenses, the one that go back to like Chioko. So yeah. I'm sitting here hearing like Very Soft and like STFU lenses. What's going on? Um, do you, have you tried any of the uh, old Minolta rangefinders, by the way? Just out of curiosity. I no, I have not found you, any. All right, you should. They're cool. I I bet they are. Um, what are th- what are some of them? Na- their names? They're like they're still Rokors, but they have they're so- called something else, like an R Roker, F Roker. What what are they called? 
Uh, yeah, the, well, they made a couple with fixed lenses, um, uh-huh. and, and they have like a different letter in front of them, depending, I think, on the lens. Uh-huh. But then there's also like the Minolta 2A or like Minolta 3 kind of series, um, okay. where they have LTM mounts. I think yeah. I, I might be getting the numbering wrong, but those came with some super cool lenses. I've got a couple of them, and they're really nice. Hmm, interesting. I'm going to say thank, thank you for explaining uh, why you picked Minolta as a means of curbing your enthusiasm for photography. Uh, because that makes a lot of sense to me now. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, um, let's 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 move on because uh, there was a, a question that um, when we mentioned that you were coming on the podcast this week, uh, JP Holden um, jumped straight onto uh, our facebook group uh, the classic lenses podcast yeah and he dropped a question in there uh to do with um speed boosters uh because uh, uh you've become associated with with speed boosters um uh over over a few years and uh, so he's uh, somebody's made the connection there jp holden uh, yeah i think i think once upon a time I was, I was the first of us to to buy um a focal reducer the metabones speed booster for uh, for fitting my Minolta lenses onto uh, my Micro Four Thirds cameras, um, because even back then I was interested. Okay, this is the image circle I have now. What's outside of that? And then what's outside of that? And what's out of outside of that? And I think I've, I've I think I've reached the end of the image circle by now. Uh, so I suppose I have to go in the other direction, try to put it on Pentax Q or something to get you know even smaller pieces <laughs> of the uh, <laughs> sensor. But yeah, so I was the first, probably the first of the of the. Um, um, photography with classic lenses group that got a speed booster to t- test out lenses and I love them I like them, Johnny hates them um, but that does not mean that I'm an expert on focal reducers I know what they do, I can do the math almost in my head by now uh, but pretty much they make a micro four thirds camera into an APS-C camera and they make APS-C cameras into full frame cameras with some caveats uh, but that's all they do um, uh, why is there no speed booster for Fuji X to Minolta lenses? I don't know. I have no idea. You'd have to ask Caldwell Optic why they don't make that anymore. They used to, apparently. They stopped. I don't know why. They may be other brands. I haven't tried them. Yeah, but that, that was that was the question though. Um, why why aren't they on uh, for for Fuji? And uh, I, I I just wonder if it's got something to do with um, how how many lenses with these these speed boosters. Uh, I think when you when you get closer to infinity, where the uh, rear element moves closer to the sensor, um, that also that seems a stretch yeah that there would be a lot of space between those two i can't imagine any lens that would um, intrude into the adapter that far Um, i've seen a lot of shots with minolta lenses on fuji aps-c cameras and a lot of gorgeous photography with with the with the speed booster combination I have no idea why they would stop making. I was thinking maybe licensing issues. D- does Fuji maybe license their mount to specific? But that doesn't make any sense either. There are lots and lots of cheap adapters for Fuji. Uh, yeah, but I think what maybe what you I don't know if you meant Simon that the um, because the Minolta flange distance is less than some other SLR systems, maybe those lenses would 
bottom out quicker on a speed booster. I mean, I had that problem a lot. One of the reasons I don't like speed boosters is most of my M42 lenses wouldn't work on them. So on, onto my Fuji, I mean, I, I think most of it honestly is just, just look at the camera market. I mean, Fuji's Fuji's a niche product. They have a very small slice of the, you know, the mirrorless interchangeable camera lens market and the slice of that, that is people wanting to adapt Minolta lenses is, is really small as opposed to Sony is just a bigger market. There's just more people who are going to buy them. So I, I mean, I think it's just pure economics. Well, are they, uh, pair are they available for micro four thirds for uh, for MD? I haven't checked recently. Maybe they stopped making those too. What I have seen from from Caldwell and from Metabones is that they've been making a lot more autofocus adapters recently. Like adapting, I think they're making an adapter for putting Nikon lenses on mirrorless Canon cameras, for example, which mm. you know was big news because now you can actually shoot Nikon. Nikon autofocus. I don't know if maybe it maybe it goes the other way around because Nikons are all lefties. You know, maybe it focuses out when you focus. I don't know why, but it was big news because the two rivals are getting an adapter. Um, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're focusing on adapting autofocus techniques between camera houses. Maybe they're you know focal focal reducers aren't that big a thing anymore now that there are so many full frame digital mirrorless ones. I'm speculating here. I really have no idea. Okay, um, now time is getting short, and uh, I know that Pear's about to get locked into his office uh, as we speak. So I think this is a, a good time to say uh, thank you, Pear, uh, for, for being with us and uh, being You're so welcome. illuminating and uh, explaining things that I don't understand uh, <laughs> about uh, equivalents and um, speeds and depth of field and all this kind of stuff. So uh, thank, thank, thank you for that. Um, have you got any shout outs that you might want to, to give us? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm happy to be here. I, I was glad to be invited and I thank you for having me. No, it's, it's, it's been great to have you back. Um, apart from uh, photography with classic lenses and uh, potentially in the uh, classic lenses post podcast group, is there anywhere else where people can follow your work? Let's see. There used to be Flickr, right? But I, I kind of wound that down with with the payment options. You know what I really need is an online store, but I don't have one. So you just have to stick with me on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. And uh, just anybody listening out there, um, pair is great at answering technical questions as you as you may have had there so if uh, if you if you all if you do have any 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 questions of the uh, uh, about speed boosters which uh, pair is a world world known uh, world renowned authority on um, and things like that then uh, you can always just drop them into country with classic lenses and i'm sure you'll do his best to, to answer those so uh, thank you for that there. um perry have you got any shout outs this week i just thought of the most random shout out yeah um, so I, I just got back this weekend from a quick weekend trip to Taiwan and, uh, on the way back, like we were really crunched for time to make our flight because we were flying staff standby and basically like they screwed something up and had to rush us through security. So as I'm going through security, I'm asking the lady to hand check my film. Um, so and hand, her, her hand, hand check your filth. <laughs> hand check my, my film. <laughs> okay. I brought I brought a, I brought film with me. Right. Um, 
Because, you know, Simon usually brings filth with him, so that's why he thought Phil. Well, I mean, I guess he's in the UK, right? And your airports are terrible. Um, So, I mean, at Heathrow, I would love to give the people there a pile of filth. But but anyway, so so this woman, um, they're hand-checking my film, and I'm like, yo, my flight is leaving in like five minutes. I got to go. And her, her partner says, oh, we only you only need to hand check uh, ISO 1000 or above. I was like, yeah, there's 3200 speed film in my uh, Japan Camera Hunter plastic case. And as I'm like taking my stuff and running, uh, starting starting to run towards my gate, she stops me and she's like, hey, hey, what kind of film goes up to 3200? I'm like, yo, I don't have time for this conversation <laughs> right now. It's Kodak T-Max P3200. Go get some. It's cool. Bye. So shout outs to her for trying to talk to me about film while I was being rushed through security. Excellent. Uh, um, and uh, and where, where can people find find your work when you're uh, not on here? Uh, my website, Instagram, and Flickr are all perryg dot uh, com and you know Instagram, Flickr slash respectively. So hit me up on there, and you can read my latest article on thirty uh, five mmc. And it's a good read too. Certainly is. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Johnny. Uh, yeah, quick shout outs. This this is a not, I'm sure, not exhaustive list of everyone I've talked to this week at the shop. But I had a, a few people stop in and say hello. And again, if I've forgotten anyone, I'm I am sorry. But I did talk with Colin Hatcher, who was in, who had his uh, Rocor um, LTM lens. Uh, Perry, the one that that you were talking about, I think last program. The, uh, the the tiny little fifty millimeter oh, forty five two point eight Yes, exactly. Oh. So he had he had one of those that was in somewhat in disrepair. And we were trying to, to to determine if it had if he had put it back back together correctly, which I think he had, but it wasn't focusing to infinity still. So might something one of the shims needed to go somewhere else. I think. Uh, but anyway, that was cool to see that lens. Thanks, Colin. Uh, saw Robbie J this week. Saw Ebony this week. Saw Bob Matter, of course, this week, probably like eight times. Um, <laughs> who came in during one of those times was listening to Negative Positives podcast. So so there you go. That That's kind of cool to see. Um, and then wanted to just do a quick shout out, uh, speaking of Minolta, to uh, Ethan Kasky uh, up in Minnesota who just got, I believe, his first um, film camera. And he decided to get a Minolta X700. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I think it's an amazing choice for a first camera um, for 30 for 35 millimeter film. So congrats to Ethan and have a good time with that one. Um, so I think that's it for shout outs. And then uh, you can... You can find me at Central Camera Company in Chicago uh, every day except for Sunday and Monday. Um, we're closed on Sunday. I'm off on Monday to do the podcast. So you won't see me there then. But otherwise, you can you can see me there at the shop. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at, at System Photography. And anything on emails or Instagram? Yeah, sure. You can send an uh, email, which we will catch up one day soon and read all the email that's been piling up. Um, you can email us at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit the podcast, of course, at classiclensespodcast.com. Uh, you can now join the Facebook group, 
the Classic Lenses podcast Facebook group. Uh, please go and do that. That's where we'll have uh, conversations about each episode, our weekly features, et cetera, et cetera. And you can also um, follow us sort of on Instagram uh, by following Best Vintage Lens and hashtagging your photos with uh, Best Vintage Lens for a chance to be featured there. So please do that as well. And please read the uh, the weekly podcast review show notes, which are better than the podcast over at uh, on Instagram at Best Vintage Lens. Yeah, they, they certainly are. And those those people that uh, are coming over to us on the Facebook group, you will you will find a question there. Yes, uh, you will. Please, please answer it. Um, <laughs> we've been getting some great responses as well to it. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's it's there because we just want people that know about the show uh, in the group. It's it's as simple as that. We just we want to we want to keep um, uh, we want we want the participation to be high, and uh, so uh, we want to make sure that we're getting people that are engaged rather than coming along because it's got something in the title that appeals to them, and then they'll never come back ever again. So uh, that that's why we have uh, the, the the questions there. Um, and as I say, we've had some really really good uh, good responses, and then we've yeah. published some of them in the in the group as well. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, I've got I've got one shout out, uh, and that was because of something I was doing on Saturday. I went to uh, the Dark Shed. If you look up uh, uh, John Whitmore on Twitter, uh, he's at the Dark Shed, all one word. Um, he uh, invited uh, lots of people uh, down to uh, his house in Coventry, uh, in the UK, and he has an absolutely incredible facility um yes he has a shed it is a dark room and it's brilliant uh, <laughs> and i i was there along with uh, many people just uh, to to name a few uh, graham and rach from the sunny 16 podcast are there hamish gill was there neil piper from the suit and whitewash podcast was there and uh, and, and many others um, and it was a it was a really good day good food it rained all day um, but uh, the food was still good it was going to be a barbecue uh, but uh, unfortunately that didn't happen but it was just great to see some um, prints uh, being, being made but so we were all invited to take some negatives down I forgot to take mine and I could have taken a 5x4 negative so I'm really really kicking myself for not taking that um, but it was just brilliant to see some some shots uh, being being you know, converted into onto, onto film and why you might do a bit of dodging and burning and all, all of those things and um, I even got impressed by HP5 as well because I always thought it was a bit rough um, and now I realise that Rodinol doesn't really work too well with HP5 unless you want a rough look um, so perhaps I, I need to uh, well I know I need to uh, reappraise my, my opinion of HP5 so uh, yeah so great day there um, and uh, that that's it uh, so um, where you can find me I'm on Flickr I'm on Twitter is uh, Simon4 Instagram is Simon Forster Photographic. I have a website which is Simon Forster Photographic, and I have lots of FICAS adapters on there. Um, I also have a... what, did, what did you say? <laughs> FICAS. And if you oh, if you're if you're Italian, apparently I've just sworn at you. Um, and uh, so actually, that's that's a point. I think uh, we're we're running down on FICAS adapters because it's uh, it's quite offensive apparently in certain languages. So um, I do I do apologise for saying FICAS yet again. Again. Um, but you can buy these uh, limited edition um, adapters from from me uh, on my eBay shop as well. Um, although it's cheaper if you buy them on my uh, website, which is SimonForterPhotographic.co.uk. Um, and that's it. 
Um, thank you again, Pear. You know, you've been thank, thank you for being patient while I'll just be um, unless you pos- unless you've actually gone now because uh, I have not left uh, yet. Oh, you. <laughs> <That's it, yeah. laughs> you could be just lo- locked in the building now, and you've got no no need to go anywhere. But uh, oh, that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, thanks for being a great guest again. Uh, thank you. Thank for, you for having me. Yeah, your your third visit with us. So, uh, um, so yeah, um, that's it. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, the music for this show was brought to us by uh, Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, where and it was Octoblue. So, th- thank you uh, for that. Um, and that's it. So, um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week, and if you can, be like Carl. Yeah. Oh, I love this thing. I've almost bought it like five times. Yeah, I mean, I test shot it for five minutes in at the shop, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me! This is ridiculous. This is like the first digital camera I've been interested in in, you know, six yeah. years." So, yeah, yeah, we gotta have we gotta have it on a recording that Johnny likes a digital camera. Yeah. <laughs>